I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for the latest in Chicago news, culture, and more. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. It's a day celebrating the history and culture of America's native people. Growing up, you learned about Christopher Columbus sailing the ocean blue and discovering America. But of course, that's not nearly the whole story, and what usually gets erased is what happened to the people who were already here. In recent years, there's been a lot of movement on recognizing the history, impact, and humanity of indigenous peoples, and yet the way that we teach it in schools still has a long way to go. We're joined now by Gina Keneva, a library media specialist at East Leiden High School in Franklin Park. Gina wrote an op-ed in yesterday's Sun-Times about teaching students the truth about Christopher Columbus. Hi, Gina. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. Thank you for having me. Also joining us in the studio is Patty Lowe, a professor at Northwestern University. She's also the author of four books about the Native American experience. Patty, this is only the second National Indigenous Peoples Day since President Biden's proclamation last year. Considering the years it's taken to get us to this point, what does this day mean to you? I think it's a recognition, a long overdue recognition of the contributions of Native people to this continent. And um, it doesn't mean that we can't celebrate other cultures. I think there's plenty to celebrate when it comes to Italian culture. I mean, there's no question that Italians have given us incredible contributions in terms of policy and culture and politics, art, architecture. But that doesn't mean we have to celebrate Columbus. We can celebrate Italian culture without celebrating someone who brought such a terrible legacy. Gina, what does Indigenous Peoples Day mean to you? I think for me as an educator, it's like long overdue. Um, and in teaching um, students, um, I've been a teacher now for 19 years in the Chicagoland area, and you've, I've seen it like change where um, a lot of people notice this, oh, what are we off for three days? Oh, it's for Columbus and his three ships and kind of this heroic figure. Mm-hmm. And now you see a lot, a lot of more students sort of recognizing like that wasn't the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How have you seen awareness of Indigenous Peoples Day increase over the, the recent years, Patty? Well, you know, I spent most of my time in Wisconsin and uh, I'm a tribal member. Um, at the Bad River Band of Lake Superior, Ojibwe. Mm -hmm. And we introduced uh, an Act 31 educational mandate in the early 1990s that required that every Wisconsin student learn about Wisconsin Indian history, culture, treaty rights three times in the K-12 experience, and it set up certification standards for teachers. Oh, great. So I'm, you know, I saw change happening there much, much earlier than it did nationally. Interesting. I want to get to your op-ed, Gina, that you wrote in the Sun-Times. It was about how we have to teach the whole truth about Christopher Columbus in school. So as an educator, I want you to talk more about that, about what you meant by by the whole truth. Yeah. So, I mean, when I learned about it some 30 years ago, you kind of learned this rhyme, like Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. And like, you have to memorize his ships and all this things. I I mean, I almost didn't even know he was Italian. It was just like this myth of this white man, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, coming over to explore. And so I think when I was in college and I learned how many, uh, you know, the Arawak Indians, how, Mm -hmm. how many people he wiped out, I was sort of astonished. And I think that that learning, it doesn't have to happen that way where we have this idea of one thing for 20 years and then 
it gets drastically changed. And I was lucky I had that class um, in college. Like, what would my beliefs be? And then I'm go on to educate other yeah. people about it. You know, so I think it, it, we don't have to start even with this myth very early on. Um, yeah. I think it can be a lot different. So you learned about this, the true indigenous history in college. Yeah, wow. I went to university. Yeah, University of Illinois Chicago, and I even even remember Dave Stovall is pretty uh, popular here uh, around the Chicago area, and I, it's the first chapter in Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States, and uh, I, I marked it all up, and I almost was like, "Is this true?" Because I had been lied to for so long. Yeah, you know, Gina, I have to. Um, I wanted to jump in because my kid that poem that you talked about um, in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue there was a worksheet that came home with my kids and um, the worksheet referenced that poem and asked um, Columbus wanted to be a sailor when he grew up what do you want to be Columbus lived near the seashore Where, where would you like to live and I'm thinking if you're an indigenous kid where would you like to live um those questions are very different. I'd love to live near the seashore, but my land got allotted and stolen. And so I'm living right, in, right. in a government housing project somewhere. So, mm-hmm. um, and what would you like to be? And when they came home, I actually said, you know, Brooks, you don't have to fill this out because mommy's going to do this homework. And <laughs> I wrote, yeah, when I grow up, I'd, you know, I'd like to be a cultural anthropologist and destroy the Columbus myth. <laughs> well, 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 Patty, what are some specific themes, right? Because now you have the opportunity to, to change that, right? You right. focus your work on indigenous education. So what are you teaching people about specifically? I think it's really important to teach students and all Americans really about sovereignty because we tend to get lumped with other people of color and we're different. We are land, we are sovereign over our land. Um, that makes us different. You have to treat with us a little bit differently. Um, I think it's important to understand uh, how Native people lost their land through unscrupulous treaties and outright land theft. It's important to understand why um, we've you know, sometimes become sacrifice zones for the kind of extractive industries that that uh, mainstream neighborhoods don't want. You know, I think it's really important that we talk about some hard truths and and then we can move on from there. Yeah. Chicago is home to the biggest population of indigenous people in the Midwest, tens of thousands of people representing around 100 tribes. That's according to a, mm. a UIC report. Right. Yet what we learn about these tribes and cultures is fairly non-existent, as we've discussed. What do each of you see as major blind spots when it comes to our general awareness around your history? You first, Gina. Yeah, I think there's, um, it's kind of troubling, at least in Illinois, especially at the elementary school level, you know, kids aren't really taking history or they're not learning history or social studies until in third or fourth grade. So for instance, my, my kid, I have a eight and a 10 year old, and it's just now that they're really even the 10 year old is, is learning some sort some semblance of even history. And so it's, it's very, I think hard when the people are just teaching like reading and math to teach them sort of out of context. Um, and so I think that that, there, there isn't a place for even elementary teachers to sort of like learn about like how do or discuss how do we teach 
history Mm -hmm. um, to our, to our students. Whereas like someone in high school who's going for a history education degree, for instance, they have a much, you know, bigger grasp on it, but that takes a long time for the kid to progress through to get to high school to learn the truth. So I think that if we can kind of push it for teacher education to have that more on the elementary school levels and teacher preparation, you'd see more uh, younger students uh, learning about different cultures. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a running theme here. Start it earlier. I, I think it's really daunting for, for teachers because there are four, you know 574 federally recognized, unique, distinct Native nations in in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so where do you start with that? And I, I think what often happens is Native Americans tend to be compartmentalized into, you know, they're the Paleo-Indians who migrated here, and then there's the fur trade, and then we kind of drop off. Maybe until the 1960s, we might be lumped in with other kinds of protest groups, the American Indian Movement, Black Civil Rights, um, great boycotts, women's movement, and then we just disappear. And I, I think, you know, that along with popular culture, which tends to create this monolithic notion of Native Americans as being trapped in the 1850s, attacking the cavalry, suing in mm-hmm. culture, one feather, you know, <laughs> on horseback, and that's what a Native American is. And that's, I think, the kind of thing that that contributes to the tropes and stereotypes about Native people. So we've got this growing movement of replacing Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. Where do you see that movement right now, and where do you see it going in the future, Patty? I think it's really being worked out. I I mean, I I don't think that there's any real— Columbus Day was so ingrained. Absolutely. And I think— what might be helpful for local communities is to start with the indigenous groups in their area. And that's a place where everybody can start. It honors the uniqueness of the indigenous people in that particular region. And that's where I would start. Yeah. Gina, why do you think that we're seeing this growing number of people in support of replacing the day? I think that, um, you know, it's it's really is changing. So people aren't waiting till college. At least it's happening in the high schools where high school teachers are teaching the whole truth uh, about what has happened with Columbus Day. So you might have a generation, uh, probably my age, you know, forties and fifties, who believed one thing, or maybe they even still believe it. I have a neighbor who read my article and she's like, "I, I didn't know. I didn't know this." You know, um, and I think that now because you have younger people learning it, I think it's making more of a, a strive to go towards Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, but I mean, in my audience, when I was showing, I was kind of showing media about why people like the uh, pro-Columbus Day side, and it was Italian-Americans from Chicago. And in my audience were, you know, several Italian-American kids who, um, and even some kids who had just come from Italy, who were kind of watching this. And one kid was like, look, there's like my uncle's in that crowd at Arrigo Park trying to get the statue back up. And so it was very interesting to see like, you know, to talk with them in the audience about, okay, so why, why would your uncle, uh, you know, 
go for Columbus. And, and the, the kids talked about it. Um, so I think it's, it's sort of changing in as the generations change yeah. as well. What else are you hearing from your students, Gina, as they're learning this history? Um, some of them are surprised. Um, some of them can articulate very well, kind of as I wrote in the article, uh, we had a, 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 a girl who was a junior or senior in high school who said, like, how can you, how can we celebrate and have parades around Columbus when he caused pain to so many people of color? So they're, they're kind of able to articulate and, and defend it. Um, we had students saying, well, we can, some people can believe one thing and still celebrate another and we can have two celebrations i think downtown the there's a columbus day and an indigenous day parade Mm -hmm. she kind of fired back with that Mm -hmm. saying how can you celebrate that one while still saying we'll have indigenous people's day so i think that um you know as the as the younger generations grow up and learn the truth that they're kind of seeing like you know, why do we have it? And, and it might, just, you know, like you said, in Wisconsin, that is actually in the K-12 mm-hmm. um, education. It isn't here in Illinois. We have a, and we have a really large Italian American population. And I, and I'm, I'm believing that's why, like this, that's why it's still yeah. here because some other states don't, don't celebrate it. I see you yeah. nodding there, Patty. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with Gina. You can't celebrate something you know, someone like Columbus, we're becoming increasingly pluralistic, we're multicultural, we're getting smarter about race, gender. Um, we, we, we just, we need to acknowledge that Columbus is not someone we can celebrate. We can appreciate Italian culture. And, and I think any Native person can understand, you know, why, um, you know, Columbus Day was established because of racism and prejudice and bias discrimination against Italian people. Yeah, I think Native people can understand that, and I I would like to think that Italian people, people of Italian descent, can understand how that hurts, how that feels. Um, so let's separate Columbus from Italian culture. How does all this impact your approach to your writing? So I know you're on the third edition of your book, right? Your book's called Indian Nations of Wisconsin, Histories of Endurance and Renewal. And that's a, you know, that's an important book. But I think my fourth grade reader, Social Studies text, which was written in collaboration with Native communities yeah. and is targeted toward fourth graders. Gina, you might ap- appreciate that. Yeah, so, I definitely do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think about all the ki- all the the children who have read that, and I guess it's read by 25,000 Wisconsin school kids each year. Mm-hmm. And I think that now it's almost 20 years old, and those children have grown it, grown up to be doctors and lawyers and judges and politicians. And I hope it's made a difference in the way people in Wisconsin have view, now view Native people. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's where we start with education at a much earlier age. So briefly, beyond your own work, Patty, some good resources that you can share with us right now that you would recommend for people who want to learn more about the history of Native people? Well, I, you know, I, I always like to start with Robin Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass, which I think is a, a, a window into the environmental stewardship mindset of mm-hmm. Native people. It's always dangerous to generalize, um, but I think uh, 
it's I think you can generally say that Native people uh, broadly share sort of, you know, this value of environmental stewardship. I think that's a good place to, to start because land is what we is it. Land is how we define ourselves, yeah. whether it's wild rice for my people or corn for the Oneida or, you know, um, yeah. timber, uh, the forest for the Menominee people, not timber, the forest for Menominee people. We define ourselves by our land, and that's a good place to really understand our mindset. Gina, any resources you can share? Yeah, some of the things I've been using at the high school level, um, and then I did have some picture books too. So we've been using Indigenous Peoples History of the United States, for, and it's written for young people by Dunbar Ortiz. And then there's another book called What the Eagle Sees, Indigenous Stories of Rebellion and Renewal. Um, I like those two books because they don't um, try to portray Indigenous people as victims. Yeah. They kind of celebrate mm. their culture and say like, um, here's here's how we survived, not as like uh, kind of like victimizing them. Um, there's also a great one, hashtag not your princess, voices of Native American women. Um, that one's it's awesome. It's like poetry, artwork, and it breaks down the Indian princess stereotype. Um, so those are great. And there's a couple of picture books I have here too. Um, it's called The People Shall Continue. It's a picture book and go show the world a celebration of indigenous heroes. That's great. Um, so those would be like for younger, younger kids. Gina, Kaneva, and Patty Lowe, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Haima de Medici and edited and mixed by Meha Ahmed. Enjoying our podcast? Then why not subscribe? We've got tons of great interviews and conversations about news and culture just like this. And when you do subscribe, don't forget to leave us a rating. That helps more people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.